Blog Talk Radio. Take the lead on this because I got some very important questions for the champ. So uh, 
let's move on with the rest of the show. But I will be uh-huh. professional. All right, cool. So we're we're moving past this again. It's all about being, uh, um, you know, being journalists here, being, being hosts. So we're gonna give the champ his due, uh, give him some respect. And like I said, I'm cause it's intense. I'm hoping uh, he calls in. Um, you know, fingers crossed, because he really, you know, we appreciate him being here, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll get him on later on. But why don't we get right into the awards? Um, we were talking, uh, Dave and I were having meetings before the show and, uh, you know, talking about different awards, and different categories. And one category we thought about was a uh, storyline of the year. Um, there've been some interesting ones, uh, as of late, um, interesting ones over the course of the year. We have, uh, Jericho and Punk, uh, the alcoholic CM drunk storyline, Joe Parks, uh, storylines like that. What are some of the storylines out of, uh, grabbed you over the first half of the year, Dave? Um, there's been quite a few. Um, there, most recently, the uh, the beginning of the uh, A.J. Dixie um, storyline, the lead-up to it, it was probably the first storyline in recent memory in TNA's history where it could have been something potentially, it could potentially, excuse me, grab outside viewers that aren't, hardcore wrestling fans, some that are just casual that will watch it every now and then, to actually watch the product. Because um, that's what TNA really needs, is more eyeballs on a television set. That that would be one. Um, the, the, the Jericho CM Punk storyline, um, that was that was really good. I liked it a lot. Jericho really made you want to pay money to see CM Punk beat the shit out of him. Um, of course, uh, two that come to mind, you know, two more that come to mind for me was uh, right around WrestleMania time, uh, the build-up towards The Rock and Cena. Um, given that uh, social media was um, one of the main driving forces behind that storyline with all the tweets and the Facebook posts and the videos and all this stuff leading up to it, um, for something that was, uh, you know, brand new to the wrestling world, given, you know, how popular social media is, um in terms of success, it's done. It, it did pretty well for them. And uh, the end of an era storyline with Triple H and the Undertaker, um, leading up to that. You, you you know most most wrestling fans know Undertaker's on his last legs, physically. Um, he can still put out good work in the ring. And same thing with Triple H. But um, you pretty much knew that it was the last time that you were going to see the two of them in the ring at the same time against each other, and it was something special um, leading up to it and and eventually the payoff at WrestleMania inside Hell in a Cell. So those are probably some that come to mind for, for me. You bring up a good point when we're talking about Triple H and, and The Undertaker, and you know, I was having a discussion with some people today about storytelling uh, in pro wrestling, and you're talking about two guys that really are, as much as it was billed and it was a storyline and, and it was a nice moniker to say end of an era, um, it really truly is, because you're talking about some of the last guys that really know how to tell a story. And what was intriguing to me about that storyline is how little talking really needed to happen. Um, you know, I wasn't crazy about how Shawn Michaels was interjected. Um, I didn't think it was necessary uh, but it still, it worked. I'm not going to say it was terrible. Um, but I thought that the way they did things, even when they started the storyline and it was like they didn't say anything to each other, it was just looking at the sign, uh, was tremendous. And you had two guys that really know how to tell a story with and without talking. 
and to tell a story between the ropes. Uh, a lot of times currently in wrestling, even if you have guys who are telling a good story leading up to a match, the story doesn't come through in the match. You know, a match, to be a great match, doesn't need to be a spot fest. Uh, it doesn't need to be uber violent. It needs to tell the story. It needs to facilitate the storyline. That's what a good match needs to do. Uh, you know, those are two guys that may be the last of dying breed. Um, because in the discussions today that we were just hanging out talking wrestling, um, you know, we couldn't really name many new guys that we'd say, hey, these guys are great storytellers. So uh, kudos to, to Triple H and uh, The Undertaker for what they did in, in telling the story leading up to the match, uh, leading into the match. And, uh, you know, it's a shame to see guys like that go. Um, an interesting storyline right now in pro wrestling, and it could have been my choice for storyline of the year so far. And we might be talking about this storyline at the end of the year. But the, the AJ, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Kane thing, the buckle going on. I mean, right now, AJ in the WWE has the most interesting storyline that any female has had in, what, a, I mean, at least five years. I mean, it, she's like the focal, it seems like she's the focal point of the company right now. She's all over SmackDown. She's all over Raw. Um, you know, and everything's like, what is it? I mean, everyone wrestling is second. It's who's AJ's allegiance going to be with? Who's she going to screw over? Who is she dating? Um, I'm curious to see where this storyline finishes, if they go with and where they go with AJ's character. So I'm going to steer clear of saying that it's the storyline of the year thus far, but definitely something intriguing. Your thoughts, Dave? Oh, I do agree. I mean, she's been all over the television set, like you said, um, and now that they've interjected her as the referee in the uh, the championship match at Money in the Bank, it's actually quite interesting, you know, um, you know, with uh, with wrestling history and how things unfold. Uh, last year's Money in the Bank was a very memorable event for a lot of reasons. Not only was it just a great pay per view overall from in ring standpoint, but um, you know the story and storylines too. But if you remember last year. CM Punk was, you know, the, the the pipe bomb king heading into that pay-per-view, and they did the big storyline where he was going to quit and, and uh, take the belt with him. He eventually did, only for a couple of weeks. And then uh, Daniel Bryan on that same pay-per-view won the Money in the Bank, the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match, and it just seems how it, it's interesting how everything comes full circle. The year that those two individuals have had, CM Punk has pretty much been on the top of the card right up there with John Cena, if maybe a step below at times. And Daniel Bryan, too, he's been right up there with those two individuals on the SmackDown side now that Raw's, you know, both shows basically intermingle the, the, the talent. He's kind of all over the television set, too, and what a year he's had. Um, so far, I mean, WrestleMania weekend, you know, people talk about the end of an era, the people talk about the Rock and John Cena, and, uh, you know, but a lot of people still talk about the phenomenon known as the yes chant that began at WrestleMania weekend. You and I were both witness to it all weekend long. Um, so, I mean, Daniel Bryan really has caught some steam, um, and it's just like I said, it's interesting that um, now that these two are going to be facing each other at Money in the Bank. AJ is a very interesting character on the television set. She's going to be a, uh, a referee in this match. Another interesting storyline that could potentially be a storyline of the year is John Cena involved in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, he announced his uh, participation in it on Monday, 
and he made it a, a point to mention that every single champion run you know, when they win the money in the bank, they they're guaranteed to win the title when they cash in. Um, there's a there's a good chance we could see John Cena win and cash in, but be the first guy to lose the money in the bank championship cash in match when he whenever he decides to cash in the title. Um, number one because it won't hurt the guy. I mean everyone's talked Super Cena and how you know strong his character is. It won't knock him down a peg if. He cashes in and loses. I mean, he's he lost to The Rock on the grandest stage at WrestleMania. He's lost to CM Punk twice on pay-per-view last year. So if he were to lose this match, you know, if he were to win the money in the bank and cash in and lose this match, I mean, that's a, that, that could potentially be a very intriguing storyline going forward in the rest of the year. Yeah, it definitely would be. I mean, it would be interesting to see where they would go with something like that. I mean, at some point... To add a little bit of intrigue to the Money in the Bank, they got to have someone win the Money in the Bank and not win the title off of it. Um, I know it happened, you know, with Mr. Kennedy, but he, he gave up his spot. So anyone who's cashed it in has won it. Um, at some point, to add a little bit of suspense, uh, they have to lose it. Getting back to AJ and, and that storyline, I think it's a good point when you brought up the yes phenomenon. I do think it's brilliant that WWE Creative has decided to let AJ steal the yes chant um in a way you know it seems like they're they're helping you know when you think of certain guys and and you know people on the internet and and other wrestling fans you know we, we've talked about john cena cena needs a heel turn we have to turn him heel we have to turn him heel and it seems like they're just they're hell-bent on keeping him a face on the flip side as popular as we saw daniel bryan wrestlemania weekend and we I mean, if you weren't in Miami, it was ridiculous. You walked down the street and people were yelling yes. It was you could not go into a bar or a restaurant or a hotel without people yelling yes. It was absolutely absurd. And the thought coming out of it is how do they keep him a heel? He's too over with the crowd. Can't keep this guy a heel. Now with AJ stealing the yes chant, at least for the time being, the yes chant works. And the yes chant is pissing off Daniel Bryan. Kind of keeps him a heel. It keeps the, the crowd kind of getting on Daniel Bryan by chanting yes. Um, and, and it's just kind of obnoxious and, and bitchy that, that AJ has kind of stolen the chant. So it works well for her. So uh, intriguing nonetheless. It just I wonder where they're going to go with the storyline. And that's, you know, a lot of times the payoff isn't there. And that's a major problem when you're, you're taking a storyline and seeing whether it's worth uh, storyline of the year or storyline of the year so far, where was the payoff? And I, I don't have enough confidence to say that they're not going to shit the bed going forward at some point with the AJ thing. But so far, you know, pedal to the metal, everything's a go. This this storyline is working. And they've parlayed it into the women's division. So if AJ winds up winning the Divas title, uh, or at least goes after the Divas title, it gives the women's division uh, a little notoriety as well, which it hasn't had in quite some time. So, again, as we go off on this tangent, perhaps a, a contender for storyline of the year at the end of the year, but for now, at the midway point, 2012 is halfway over. Dave, who gets your storyline of the year? 
I'm going to go with uh, the end of an era storyline with Triple H and The Undertaker. Um, I'm a little biased just because I was there and, you know, you were there too, and I was just enthralled by the, by, by the match. That's probably the greatest match I've ever seen live and in person. Um, and uh, I think, too, you know, considering it was, you know, the end of an era and you wouldn't see these two ever compete against each other in the ring and, you know, that their careers are, are winding down um, relatively soon, um, I think this was a message to them, to the rest of the locker room, like, hey, listen, this is how you get it done. And we're not going to be here forever to carry this ship, so it's time somebody steps up. And uh, I, I personally think that the end of an era storyline so far, in my opinion, has been the best storyline of the year. And, you know, it was. It was, it was a good storyline, and I ain't mad at you for, for picking that storyline. However, I'm going to go in a different direction. Um, and, and it's interesting, the direction I'm going to go in, I'm thinking actually storyline of the year so far was Jericho and CM Punk. Um, love storyline. And the interesting thing about that storyline, um, I'm intrigued by what they're going to do in direction they're going to move CM Punk in. Because... I look, the guy's got talent, and I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say CM Punk sucks. However, last year, drops the, the uh, pipe bomb, does his thing over the summer, incredibly interesting. Granted, we know that, that you know, you had to bring a guy like that back um, for SummerSlam because he was hot at the time. Personally, uh, creatively speaking, for myself, I would love to have seen them keep CM Punk off of TV for a little while longer. Um, as we've discussed on the show, if there's ever a storyline that could have been pursued uh, just through social media, that was it. Uh, having Punk almost doing like guerrilla warfare where Punk would show up at certain places claiming to be the real WWE champ. Uh, it's something that could have could have gone longer. They could have done more with it. And I only bring that up because since that run, I have found CM Punk thoroughly uninteresting. Until the Jericho storyline. And the Jericho storyline I thought was great. I, I thought I love the way Jericho called his uh, a straight edge-ness, if that's even a word. But his straight, straight edge uh, lifestyle into question, uh, brought out his family, made it personal, um, anytime, I mean, with wrestling now, with it being called sports entertainment and, you know, everyone pretty much knowing it's it's scripted and, and everything it, that they're all characters and blah, blah, blah. Um, anytime you can blur the line slightly uh, to bring a little bit of reality into uh, a storyline, it works. It, it, it gives it a good feel. It gives it a genuine feel. And the way that storyline worked, you started to get this real, like, old school kind of, these two really hate each other. And these two really want to beat the shit out of each other. And you don't get that as much in, in pro wrestling anymore. Um, you don't get that real visceral, like, oh, God, these guys really hate each other. Um, and, and, you know, between the, the breaking of the bottles over uh, Punk's head, uh, forcing him to, to drink some, uh, quote-unquote, Jack Daniels, um, you know, and, and they solid matches, you know, very, very good matches out of the two of them. A great match at WrestleMania. Um, you know, it was just, a, it was a really, really good storyline. And the funny thing is, and again, I brought up everything else that happened prior, because 
I, again, at this point, find CM Punk uninteresting. I, you know, right now, AJ is thoroughly more interesting than CM Punk is as far as the storyline goes. Uh, I don't know where they're going to go moving forward with CM Punk. So, I mean, it's interesting because I, I wonder if Punk is a guy who really can, can do it on his own. And the interesting thing is last summer, John Cena was the guy carrying the storyline with him. So all the Cena haters out there, you know, I, it's interesting to see, you know, where Punk character is going to go. Um, I think they've neutered him to a certain extent, and it might be better to – he might be better suited as a heel, um, and that might be part of the problem. Uh, but as, I, as I'm going on and on about CM Punk and his character um, – I to me like the the Punk Jericho run was was a great run, uh, great verbiage going back and forth between the two of them, uh, you know, great promos, great spots, uh, great fights, and uh, you know, great matches. So it, it had everything uh, a wrestling fan would want. Uh, it was kind of like I said, had that classic old school kind of feel to it, and it's something that I miss in wrestling where they they deliver on all facets. Uh, so. My choice for storyline of the year so far would be Jericho Punk, and Dave is going with the end of an era. What do you guys think? Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call again. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. Let's see. You know, let's move into another category. Uh, let's let's talk matches. Uh, what are some matches that struck you uh, uh, this year, Dave? Um. Well. There were two big matches on WrestleMania, Rock and Cena, and, of course, Hal and the Cell, End of an Era, uh, both great matches. Um, a lot of hype going into them, and uh, they both delivered in ring. Um, the following month felt like WrestleMania times two with John Cena and Brock Lesnar in the Extreme Rules match. Um, the, we, we just spoke about CM Punk and Chris Jericho. Great street fight they had. I loved how they brought back the old-school street fight with the, you know, the the come as you are, wear the jeans, and the, you know, tape fists, and, you know, street clothes. I thought that was a great match. It was in Chicago. It helped the atmosphere being there, CM Punk's hometown. Um, Austin Aries and Samoa Joe it's at Slammiversary recently. That was a great opening match, and I thought it, I thought it was so good that you could have put that on as like second to last, or you could put it. You could have put that on to open the show, but it was a great way to open that show. And I think another great match um, coming out of the TNA side. Um, a lot of people really didn't care for the finish, um, and of course the audience in Nashville was in a coma practically during during the pay per view. But they kind of livened up for this match. Was the uh, the, the the James Storm Bobby Roode uh, title match? At lockdown, um, I mean, it, it, it culminated, and everyone thought Storm was going to win it, and then Storm lost, and Rude barely escaped. I thought it was a really good match. Um, didn't get enough credit that it deserved. Um, those are the ones that really pop out and, and, and come to mind for for me right now, uh, personally. So um, those are those would be you know my nominees for match of the year so far. Yeah, I know, and those are all great nominees. Um, I'm just going to go right out there and tell you, you know, my match of the year, and only because as as a wrestling fan and as an older wrestling fan, um, you know, I've been watching this for a while, and, you know, the more you watch wrestling, the 
the less moments you have where you're kind of taken back, where you kind of either jump off your seat or jump back in your seat, uh, where you're, you're shocked. Um, and I see, you know, look, there were better technical matches over the course of the year. Uh, there are more athletic matches. Uh, all the matches you mentioned, uh, great matches. Uh, TNA has had a number of tremendous. The Austin Aries Samoa Joe match was a great match. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of great workers are over there in TNA. But I, I got to go with Brock Cena. Brock, Brock Cena. Brock Cena. <laughs> Brock versus Cena was just, uh, again, that match where, you know, when Cena opened up, I, I mean, I, I kind of jumped off my couch. Uh, it was a moment where I was like, what's going on? Uh, you know, was was that supposed to happen? What is he doing? Did did I mean, there was a moment where I was like, did, did Brock go off the script? What is he doing? He really is a monster. Like, what, a, what an asshole. Um, there, there was like a real reaction out of me watching that match. And, again, you can say what you want about, you know, athleticism and being a spot monkey or whatever you want to say, but... As far as just a match that really got me, that really grabbed me, um, that was a match, and especially in this era, in the PG era, uh, you know, to have that blood, to have a match, and, and not only for the blood, because it was really the one cut that got opened, and, you know, that was, it wasn't a blood bath, but the fact that it was violent. It was a hard-hitting, violent match, uh, and something that, going forward, that's, those are the matches that, work for Cena. And creative needs to look at that. You know, Cena's a guy that can take a beating. And when he's that tough guy that takes anything that you can shout, keep coming at me because I will F take it. Come on, hit me again because I can take it. That's what makes Cena great. Uh, Cena's, you know, not good at the spots. He's not, he's not good at being goofy. But when you, when you see Cena take a beating and, and ride above it, so to speak, uh, that's what makes that guy great. And uh, that, to me, was a tremendous match. A match that, and I didn't do it at all this year. Uh, granted, I was at WrestleMania, so I couldn't do it there. But I, I, rewind, I rewound that. Rewind? I rewound that match right after. I watched the pay-per-view, had it on DVR, rewound it, watched it again. And I, I may have even watched at least half of it a third time, right on that night. Uh, just because I, I was just shocked at the level of violence in the match. And it worked. It worked for the storyline. It worked for the two guys in the ring. And I had no problem with John Cena coming out on top. He dropped the match. You know, he's, he is the guy in the company. Uh, he dropped the match to a returning movie star at WrestleMania. Uh, you know, you got to have your guy uh, not continue to look weak. So I had no problem with Cena winning. Uh, so that right there, the year so far is my match. What about you, Dave? It, it's tough for me because there were there were there were quite a few good ones. Um, I mean, all the reasons that you explained why your match of the year is Brock versus Cena, I would have to agree with you. So for me, it's a tie. Brock and Cena's one, and the end of an era, Hell in the Cell is the other one. And I, and you talked about rewinding. Um, you know, the, the, the Brock Cena match. I mean, obviously, I couldn't do the same thing at WrestleMania, but when I watched. I bought the DVD. When I watched the DVD, I rewind some moments in the matches, in, in that Hell in the Cell match. Um, number one, the super kick, kick 
from Michaels to Undertaker into the pedigree with the, the near fall and the whole stadium erupts. I mean, I just re, I try to relive that moment as much as possible. I remember when that moment happened, and I'm sitting in the stadium, and I'm saying to myself, I'm never going to see anything like this again. This is unbelievable. I looked around. I just seen everyone standing and cheering and going crazy. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. You know what I mean? And it's, it must be like a million times cooler that those three guys elicited that reaction from all of us to be in there to do that. You know, so it's really tough for me um, to, to to pinpoint one match. And like I said, I'd have to I'd have to go with a tie. Um, you know, Brock and Cena was just so physical and brutal. I mean, it really. What, nowadays in wrestling, you got extreme rules matches, no holds barred matches, cage matches, hell and Every match is brutal, but they're pretty much all the same. A street fight, a false count anywhere. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, they're all one and the same. It's going to be violent. There's those like different rules between each gimmick match. It's just another name to say it's going to be violent. You know, let's just call it the violent match. You know, but they have a name that they got to market it for, so they can get people to buy tickets and you know buy the pay per view. When I watched that match with John Cena and Brock Lesnar at Hooters, and then I went on YouTube to see if somebody pirated, it. I went back and watched that, and I was like, oh my god, I'm like, this is unbelievable. I'm like, he. Like, he played him open, like, the first three. I'm like, once he hit Cena and they got the reps in the ring and the doctor, and I was like, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Because, like, it, it, what would have been cooler is if they really wanted to make Brock, like, King Kong the killer, they could have stopped the whole match. But the pay-per-view audience in all of Chicago would have had a riot, so that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, if they stopped the match after he was bleeding in the first, like, two or three minutes. But for me, it's a tie. I can't even, I can't pick one because they were both so good. Like, I almost felt, watching the Extreme Rules match, I almost felt like I was there. And the name Extreme Rules match, it, re- it was like the true definition of it. I mean, they literally went to the extreme. Lesnar almost, Lesnar took a dive almost on his head to the outside of the floor, that clumsy prick. And then, you know, <laughs> I mean, you saw I me, mean, like, he tried to do, like, the Superman punch. And, like, I don't know if Cena was supposed to catch him or if he was supposed to hit him with the chain. But something happened, and Lesnar took a dive. Lesnar took, like, a great Luganus swan dive and, like, almost, like, cracked his fucking dome, like, wide open on the floor. And then, of course, Hell in the Cell, you know, that was pretty brutal, too, you know. So, it's a tie for me. I can't pick one. They both are so good. You know, it's funny that you said because one of the things that really, I won't say it sucks, but, you know, like you said, watching that Hell in the Cell match was, like, the best thing you'd ever been part of live. And it's tough because I was at WrestleMania 25. Uh, for the first Michaels taker. So it's like you're fortunate enough to be at certain events live. Like you being at that Hell in a Cell match live will spoil other matches for you now. There'll be other matches that people will say, oh, that was the greatest match I've ever seen. You're going to sit there and go, no, it wasn't. I was there live for the end of an era. You know? And that's how I am now with like certain matches. Like as much as that was one of the few times in the Taker's reign that super kick into the pedigree, I thought, wow, the, they're actually going to do it. The streak is going to end. And it's rare because we all go into WrestleMania thinking, all right, well, Taker's going to retain a streak, you know, and let, hopefully the match is entertaining. Uh, that was a moment where I think most of us thought, holy shit, if he was going to, if the streak was going to end, it was two finishers, like back to back, that was going to do it. Um but yeah, I'm because as it was one of the best matches I've seen live. I can't say it was the best I've seen because of Taker Michaels. So, but I definitely, you know, honorable mention. You know, if I was going to go with the tie, I'd go with those two as well. Two incredible matches, and and like we said before, they not only great matches, but 
it, it worked with the storyline as well, which made the match that much better. And we're going to go out to the phones at this time. Tony, are you there? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I am here. Hey, you good to hear from you, Tony. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It was great meeting you the other night, too, at uh, Peppermill. Yes, it was. It was a pleasure. Everything, you know, everything in this area centers around the Peppermill. So you got to be at the Peppermill. And if you're ever around on a, on a Monday night, you know, we do a Monday night Raw night there uh, as well. But it was great meeting you. Uh, you had a good birthday? Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I was gonna. It was cool. I just hung around, you know. And then uh, I had, I kind of had an extended birthday this year, you know. I got a few DVDs. I actually just finished watching the uh, ECW unreleased DVD today. How was that? It was awesome. It was really, you know, it was cool to go back and, um, you know, relive some of the uh, a lot of the great ECW ones because you know a lot of it when it was, you know, when it was on, I actually hadn't you know heard about it or seen it. So it was, it was kind of cool to see a lot of, uh, you know, to see all the matches from like you know. The mid, uh, the early mid '90s, you know, like seeing Guerrero and Malenko and you know, Eliminators against uh, Sabu and RVD, and you know that kind of stuff, and you know, Bailey Legal Taz Sabu, uh, which you know, I've seen that a lot of times. Uh, which, uh, yeah, but it, it was great to uh, see, you know, to rewatch all those. You know, it's like the only thing about it is like because you know, like ECW actually had you know like guys came out to real songs, they you know. They, Everything you know, like Enter Sandman gets ducked over with this generic crap, and it's like it, it, you know it, it kind of takes kind of takes from it. You know, what I mean? I, it's funny because I'm I'm psyched about getting that disc because I, I I got my girlfriend into wrestling about 2005, so yeah. um, she she Marvel. doesn't know what what the 90s were like in in pro wrestling. She's she's a she's basically a fan in the the PG era, so. Uh, Looking forward to getting that disc and uh, shocking her a bit with what used to go on uh, in the 90s. Um, but, we, you know, we're doing our mid-year awards, Tony, and uh, we talked uh, storyline of the year and, and match of the year. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, man, that, you know, that's the uh, the half-year awards, as I'll call them. Uh, I, it's pretty, uh, it's, you know, the storylines, I'm probably going to go with, you know, like, um, a few of them, you know, like probably the Triple H Undertaker, was was a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, <laughs> Thanks, uh, but I, I thought they did a really good job with that. You know, even even with the match too. You know, it's like you know when they have you know Undertaker in a match at WrestleMania. You know, it's like you know how I was looking at it. You know, it's like of course I wanted him to win, but you know, it's like I knew that they were gonna. You know, like when they when they did the super kick into the pedigree. You know, I I liked how they had the hint of this is like it's like. They're going to possibly, end, you know, they're going to end it. You know, it's like oh, you know, they did it a couple of years. You know, like I remember last year WrestleMania when Triple H Tombstone Undertaker, and they look like shit. This, shit, no, we're going to end it. <laughs> so and it's you know, so it's you know when they, when they you know like when they have uh, you know Undertaker has his uh, matches at WrestleMania when they do those like near falls where it's like you know looks like they're someone's just just about to end the streak and then he kicks up like the last second. I like when it, you know I kind of go for that. You know, I think when they do that, um, the uh, Punk uh, Jericho was also I thought it was really good. Uh, the other, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the storyline. The match was great. Um, in in uh, TNA right now, I'm actually I, I'm like in uh, Austin Aries, you know where uh, he um, you know they made him you know, give up the uh, X title for a title shot at Destination X. I, I think he's been like really uh, he's been doing a really good job in the in TNA. His promos have been outstanding. 
That's a good point. It's, you know, again, another storyline that maybe at the end of the year we'll be looking at that depending on uh, where the payoff is. But I'm, you know, he, I, I love Austin Aries and what he's bringing to the table right now. And I'm looking forward to a tremendous match with uh, Bobby Roode. Uh, again, I'm curious where they're going to go with it. I, I don't see him getting the TNA Heavyweight Championship, but who knows? But definitely a, a very talented uh, individual, someone who will probably be around for a long time to come. Definitely, yeah. And um, even though I know this program not as recognized, but you know, because uh, Ring of Honor, they had uh, you know Kevin Steen when he um, you know first returned. You know, he was you know hunting, you know, looking to win the belt. And you know, he was you know, like, yeah, now he's got him. Him doing the whole um, holding Ring of Honor hostage bit, and Jim Cornette's like getting anybody he can to, to take the belt off him. Uh, you know, that that whole storyline. You know, it's like how he was gone for a year and a half, and then he can't. You know, he. Won a final battle at, over Steve Carino and was reinstated, and then he finally got the belt of Border Wars. Um, even like a, you know, uh, the show I was watching last week, he and uh, Davey had that was a that was a kick-ass match. Uh, so uh, yeah, so um, sort of like match, you know, like matches of the year go. I probably go with like you like. Hey, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up because um, yeah, it's a toss-up because you know, probably. Um, Triple H Undertaker is uh, that's probably going to get match of the year anyway. I was going to get match of the year. I'm I'm predicting you know so that was a good one. And um, but Davey and uh, Steen from uh, the ROH pay per view last week it was good. I mean they I think they kind of even hit them like doing the doing the double you know, like the the Bret Hart Stone Cold double turn. Ooh, I like that's actually one of my favorite storylines in in the history of wrestling was those the double turns. So that's very cool. Yeah. So, Tony, well, again, always a pleasure talking to Tony. It was a pleasure finally getting to meet you. Um, Tony is the world's greatest wrestling blogger, and we're lucky enough to have him. So if you miss any of the shows, Impact, Raw, SmackDown, go to thekenreedyshow.com, and Tony blogs will be up there recapping everything, giving a little bit of insight as well and opinion. Uh, Tony, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot for the phone call. We'll talk to you next week. Of course. I'll be Thanks here. a lot. Take care, man. You too, guys. Good points. And I like when Tony calls because Tony gives us a good uh, ROH perspective as well. Admittedly, we don't follow ROH probably as closely as we should, but uh, that's why we have Tony. Tony comes and gives us. What say? If they had a TV deal where they were nationally distributed, I mean, I know that they have something that's in it's in like 25 markets in the country or 22 markets or something like that. But if they were, if they were you know, on in my area in Connecticut, I'd probably, you know, hook up the DVR and, you know, record and check out what they got for the in-ring and see, what they, see you know, what they have. But, unfortunately, I don't have the patience to sit in front of a computer and watch YouTube, um, you know, to, to look at, you know, Ring of Honor matches. That'd be the equivalent of, like, you know, a middle-aged guy looking at porn. So, I... I don't know I, if I don't that's have... quite the equivalent. Well, it's I mean... A, it's, it's a bit it, of a like, jump, I think. Well, I mean... I, I, I don't have patience for that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> I get front you. Of yeah, I mean, I'm the same way, and, and you know, there's, there's too much. For a long period of time. There's too much that can go wrong also with the Internet, and they've had problems with Internet feeds, and, you know, that was a problem on their end, and, you know, sometimes you can have problems on your end, and, um, you know, like you said, yeah, I, I don't have the patience to sit in front of a computer screen just watching uh, something, especially if the feed keeps cutting in and out. I will you know, go go and catch some of the... You know the already the past stuff on uh, 
uh, YouTube and definitely a lot of gifted performers. But you're right. the minute the minute I have a, a show that I can I can watch on TV, I will sit and watch it, and uh, I'll have the DVR set. Um, but as of right now, they're not in our market, and that's why we have Tony calling and giving us a bit of an ROH perspective on things. And we are talking 2012 mid-year awards, or I think like you know. Tony said, like, half award. Like, we should call these the halvesies. We're giving out halvesies today. Uh, 347-838-9815 is the number to call to let us know what you think as far as the best stuff that's gone on in the world of professional wrestling over the course of this year. And the other thing, if you want to talk about some of the stuff that went on TV uh, this past week, we can talk about that, too. But right now, we're going through our awards. Uh, We're getting close to announcing... Uh, what the uh, pay-per-view of the year poll winner was, and that's on thekenreedyshow.com. So go check that out. Uh, answer the poll question on what the biggest pay-per-view or the best pay-per-view of the year, in your opinion, was. But for now, let's get into another category. Um, let's talk about the ladies. Female former of the year, female wrestler of the year. What are your thoughts, Dave? Um. There's a few in mind. Um, from the TNA side, I'd have to say the TNA, uh, the current TNA champion, Brooke Tessmacher. She's um, she's uh, she wasn't really much of a uh, figure on the on the on their program at times, um, but she's uh, grown a following amongst the audience and has uh, become uh, quite interesting to watch in the ring. And uh, that would be one that comes to mind. Obviously, we spoke about AJ earlier. I mean, she's she she's got everybody guessing what's going on and that's that's the beauty of you know, that's what most wrestling fans want in in a storyline with a character is to uh you know, to get to get you guessing and that's what she's been doing um for the better part of this year. Um uh, those really are the only two that come to mind. I it's to me it's you know, that there isn't really anybody else out there that uh that sticks out to me that could be the hapsy female performer <laughs> of the year in professional wrestling. I kind of agree with you there. Um, you know, AJ might be someone going down the road a piece, uh, but they've really just started moving her into a, a program, perhaps, for the Diva title. And I, I'm, I'm when I'm talking performer, I'm not talking valet. I'm talking someone who's in the ring. And as much as AJ has been in the ring a bit, uh, the impact that she's made has been more in a valet role. So um, I don't think I'm going to go in that direction. Uh, you're bringing up Miss Tessmacher, and i got to go with Miss Tessmacher. For me, uh, so far, uh, female performer of the year gets gets that havesy. Uh You know, she's she's done really well. She's improved uh, character-wise, in-ring work-wise. Uh, she is the top of the food chain right now in the company that has the best crop of female Performers, period. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, she is uh, the best, the best, uh, the best right now, holding that strap in in TNA. And if you're the top of the mountain in the uh, best uh, female division, then uh, you know I got I got to give it to her. Who would have thought years ago that moving forward that every member of Extreme Expose would wear gold at one point. That's a good point. Because I that? didn't really 
I, I didn't. You know what? Wow, you, you bring up a good point. See that? Once. I do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do my research. <laughs> no, I don't know if you good. can call the diva belt necessarily gold at this point, but yeah, we're talking Layla Kelly Kelly and and Miss yeah, Pesmacher. You can call it the bedazzled championship. The bedazzled. So, so bedazzled like some a, gold. Looks like, like a, an eleven year old girl made that title. <laughs> But, who knows? Maybe she did. Yeah, I don't your, know. Your thoughts but, on who who would get the nod for your halfsy? Well, you, you you mentioned you know you mentioned performer and you did, in terms of in ring work, and I I decided to base it all around AJ's not the Brett the Hitman heart of the female division, but you know she's got her strengths and weaknesses that that have shown, but obviously her character is a strength and. Her character performs on television, whether it's in ring or it's in front of the microphone. So I'm right now. I'm I'm gonna have to. You know what? It, it, it just struck me. It just struck me that this is this is a first because I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. But what about Eve? Eve was you know Eve had that storyline heading in with Zack Ryder. You know, they kind of got this little thing going on, but, you know, it's not really 100% legit. He didn't, you know, seal the deal yet with her. And then she turned on him, but he was so stupid enough to go back with her, which most guys have done before, especially for a hot chick. I've been, you know, guilty of that myself. And then she did it. She turned on him again at WrestleMania. She became, you know, Laurenitis's executive assistant, secretary, whatever. She She's performed really well in that role, too. She's not that bad in the ring. Um, you know, they had a match. The girls' match had a match at WrestleMania, and she was a part of it. And you know, she she helped carry. Uh, what's that chick's name? Maria. You know, Menudos. Whatever. Yeah, Menudos. That's her name. Yeah. The, Menudo. The Maria Menudo. Yeah, yeah Menudo, Mario, like... Monopoly, whatever the fuck her name is. <laughs> and and uh, she, um, you know, she 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 helped carry her, a person who's got no wrestling experience whatsoever in that match. So. I'm gonna go with Eve. This is—it's a late, you know, a late write-in ballot, but I'm gonna go with Eve. I think, yeah, she hasn't been on TV in recent weeks. I'm wondering what the hell's going on. So uh, I want my you girl her, back. You, know? I want you, my miss, girl you miss back. her, don't you? I do, I do. She looks good to me. She got everything I want, everything I need. Oh yeah, that's my girl. There's way too much thing going on on our show lately. I'm trying to add some something else to this show here, okay? <laughs> we're going to go after the phone this time, time. time. You did the Uso dance last week in the studio and practically destroyed it. So, you know, because I can hear some <laughs> banging and clanging around in there. You probably knocked a couple pictures down, you know, your microphone fell off or whatever. But, like, you did that whole, you know, the 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 the, the, the Uso entrance dance. Come on now. So, I can say, if you can dance like an idiot in the studio, I can sing. We can sing. The show is so good on so many levels. Let's go to the phones. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. What's up? That was probably the worst entrance ever I've ever done on this show. Shout out to Prime Time. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? man? I'm good, man. I'm on vacation. So I'm able to listen early. Not at work. Who, what are you doing? Are you I'm, I'm, with? Thank you for taking vacation with us. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on like the the half year awards? 
The Havsies. I'm I'm digging the nickname the Havsies. Um Let's get it well, trending on Twitter now. <laughs> the Havsies. Um I'm definitely I, I gotta go with the 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 Brooke Peschmacher thing. That was that's a good point. And Eve late entry, but she really hasn't accomplished much. I mean she she can still she can she can perform well, but she hasn't really accomplished much. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like this year. She was a part of the storyline with John Laurinaitis, who was the top heel in the company at the time. I mean, that's that's a pretty big accomplishment, considering that, you know, the girls are not really much of a focal point on that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's That's a good point. Yeah, because the girls now are basically Layla, uh, Layla, 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 and Layla. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's it's summertime now, so now all the girls are going to be coming out again. But for the most part, if you ain't U.S. champion, you ain't on TV, which is sad because Beth Phoenix and Natalia should definitely be tearing up a huge storyline right now, just because of the fact that they can go. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see the two of them in a program together. They definitely give uh, the females some credibility. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on the match of the year? Hmm. Uh, this, this is a good question, there, because I'm thinking of the definitely the the big three from WrestleMania for various reasons. Um. What else? What else stood out this year? What else? What else happened this year? Uh, did Daniel Bryan do anything like? Oh, it's oh my God! How did I forget Daniel Bryan versus Punk at Over the Limit? Another good match. Yeah, I totally forgot. What do you think was better, Over the Limit, Bryan and Punk, or Punk and Jericho at WrestleMania? It's a good question. Uh, I, I'd probably go Punk and, and Jericho. I enjoyed that match that more. What do you think, Dave? I, I would have to say, I, you know what, I another tie. Punk and Jericho, but at the same time, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk put on an excellent wrestling match considering the lack of buildup they had in that storyline leading to that pay-per-view match. Yeah, so, that's I mean, true. That, that, that's, another, that's another tie for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a torn individual right now on this show. <laughs> for, let, me, let me guys ask you a question. Are you, do you guys have like a, a heavyweight champion of the year award? Is that happening? Well, we'll probably do a, a male performer of the year. Uh, well, we, well, we are going to do a male. It, it, that doesn't sound right. It sounds like we're, we're giving like a Magic Mike award. We'll give yeah, a, you know. <laughs> we'll give a male wrestler uh, of the year award at at some point. Uh, you want to give us your your take? Who'd be your guy? I'd have to be a split with um with the two champions of Punk and Rude. Just because they've both been champions since 2011, they've both done really well with what they've been given. Can't argue with you there. Can't argue. All right, thank you. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, Hopefully, you'll find some time uh, next week. Perhaps. How long you on vacation? Uh, I'm gonna be back on the uh, up north on Friday. All right. Well, hopefully, we'll hear from you soon. Thanks a lot for the phone call. All right, man. Take it easy. And we'll go back out to the calls. Is this Dank? Hello? Hello. 
Hello? Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, what's going on? Not ain't much. Staying cool in Sunnyside, Florida. How is it hey, down there? Please, hey, really? Hot and muggy, and we just finished about a week worth of rain. Oh, wow. So what are your thoughts on our, our Habsies, uh Mid-Year Awards? Uh, you know, we've talked about Match of the Year, Female of the Year, Storyline of the Year. What are your thoughts on the year so far? All right. Let's see real quick here. Uh, I know, let's see. Match of the Year. <laughs> Don't get in an accident. <laughs> no. Some guy decided to go straight instead of turning when he was supposed to turn. Okay. <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, match of the year, I think, because of statement wise, for me. That other driver. <laughs> That's gonna be match of the year. You and that other driver. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They hit my car. That's my livelihood. <laughs> it ain't gonna be pretty. But I'll make sure I put it on YouTube. So what are you saying, Dank? What, what do you What do you think in the um, year so far? I think match of the year so far because of the statement that it that was behind it would probably be Daniel Bryan and uh, Sheamus at WrestleMania. Just because, like, all the all the crap that, that Sheamus was talking about and everything, and then on the biggest stage for his company, he lasted eight seconds. So I think that that had a lot of impact and, a, like, a big statement behind it. That's that. Uh, I think a lot of people would disagree with you on that, but uh, it's, it's an interesting take as far as the impact uh, that match had um, on, on the rest of the year in wrestling. Uh, what what would be your uh, your storyline of the year? Storyline of the year, um, I honestly don't know. I mean, there's so I mean I like where like if they go somewhere with it, this whole AJ and the threesome thing that she's doing, going back and forth, which hopefully they'll be able to go somewhere with it and do something good with it because it's a different take than the usual, you're the champion, I want your belt, and therefore I'm going to talk all this smack and do all this and then not win the belt anyway. So it's just, I don't know, for me it's something different. Um, For female of the year, I would have to go with Beth Phoenix just for the simple fact that she's the closest thing to a female wrestler that's on the roster right now as far as WWE goes. I don't really watch TNA, so I can't judge on that aspect. But I like Beth Phoenix because if they can build a more solid roster and bring more wrestlers like her, I think that the Divas division can actually go back to how it used to be in the days of Lita, China, and uh, Chris Stratus, and all that, and, and all those sorts. Um... Baby of the Year, I'm biased on that because the only one that I've watched and is the one I went to, which was WrestleMania. I didn't really get to see any of that, any of the other pay-per-views. And, you know, when you go to see an actual pay-per-view, especially the biggest one of the year, you're going to be biased regardless, uh, especially, you know, from, from a standpoint of a fan like, like myself. Um... As far as male wrestler, um, as much as I like Cena, I think Punk, for me, would get the award. He just seems to be more outspoken and more, like, you don't hear a lot of people chant CM Punk sucks, whereas you hear a lot of people that chant Cena sucks. It seems like 
uh, more people rally behind Punk, and he's he carries more of a voice of the fans than Cena does. Um, what other categories am I missing? Ah, uh, gee, I think we hit you just. Uh, I think we got you with with everyone. Uh, it's interesting. Match I'm interested in your, your. What was that? Match of the year. Yeah, he said. said Oh, he did. No, oh, yeah, that's, no, he said he match did. of the year. I'm um, sorry. I'm, I'm having a brain fart. I apologize. That, that's okay, dude. It happens. My question for you real quick is... Uh, here comes uh, a thought-inducing question. All right, what do you got for us? <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of SmackDown. I don't watch a lot of TNA, so this is going to be pretty much Raw-based. But in your opinion, what was the best Raw of the year so far? Jeez. Um, all right, you know what, Dank, thanks for the call. We're going to discuss this uh, off the line. Um, wow, I, I you know Dank is always with the thought-provoking questions. Um, at first, I'm just thinking the Raw right after WrestleMania uh, would be the Raw of the year so far. I really have to go back and think about that, though, to really give a, a definitive answer. But if I'm thinking, you know, honestly, when it comes to shows and Everything, if it jumps out at you, then that's, that's a good thing. So I, I'd be going, I think with that all. That'd be my guess. My pick so far. Right now. This moment. Just off the top of my head. I guess. Let's get into some of the other categories. Let's go. You know what, Dave? Let's do it. Let's just say it right now. Wrestler of the year. Who are you going with? I'm going to deviate from the norm on this one, and I'll explain to you briefly why. There are two guys who I'm considering wrestler of the year, male for Magic Mike of the year, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, two, These two guys, John Cena and Bobby Roode. John Cena so far, first half of the year, very intriguing. His character with the stuff he was doing with The Rock, stuff with Brock Lesnar. And even early on with the stuff with John Laurinaitis, because everyone was wondering if he was going to be off TV. Did he really hurt his arm? Um, you know, he put on some, you know, great match with Rock at WrestleMania. Brock Lesnar, of course. Um, you know, he had a great match with him, too. Um, but his character is kind of just, I wouldn't say taking a nosedive, but it's gone back to the normal John Cena stuff that everybody, you know, knows and loves. Um, but I'm going with Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode has been consistent. His matches have been, you know, good to great. I can't find a bad match from him. I mean, he's wrestled Sting. He's wrestled Jeff Hardy. He's wrestled Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, and Bully Ray at the same time, or Sting at the same time. You know, he's uh, he's got Austin Aries coming up, which should be, it, there's no doubt that's going to be a great match. Um, the other thing, too, about him is that, you know, he's held that championship since the beginning. You know, I forgot James Storm. He wrestled James Storm, too, a couple of times. Great matches with James Storm. Um, but the one thing I, you know, I, I want to mention about him is that most times when you have a champion who's a heel in wrestling, they're always backed by, like, the authority figure. And Bobby and, and like, a stable and an entourage of guys. Bobby Roode's all by himself as the world champion, and he's got the odds stacked against him by, like, the baby-faced general manager authority figure. First, he had to deal with it with Sting. Now he's got to deal with it with Hogan. And it's very intriguing. I like that because normally you see those heel authority figures, uh, you know, they'll, they'll hammer down the authority on the baby face and try and put the baby face down, but it's the other way around. 
And like I said, he's just been having stellar matches, in-ring work, the microphone. I mean, he's just on top of the game right now, in my opinion, right now. Um, and I'm going with Bobby Roode. And wow. Here we go. Here it is. We agree. Bobby Roode, my guy as well. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because we needed more singing. Um, yeah, I, I just... Uh, I, I think Bobby Roode is, is taking the ball and run with it. Um, you know, not all great matches, but solid matches uh, with him. Uh, totally agree with you, that whole, you know, dynamic that, you know, he's kind of out on his own uh, against the authority figure, uh, but yet he's a heel. Uh, I, I think he's really stepped up to the plate. Um, good on the microphone, good in the ring. Uh, and we've talked about before on this show, love seeing continuity with the, the big belts and uh, seeing him having the, the heavyweight strap for the uh, longest period of time in uh, TNA's history. Uh, I like it. I think he's he's carried it well. Uh, so as of right now, Havsey for uh, Wrestler of the Year goes to Bobby Roode. And that's the uh, he's the first one to get a unanimous. So congratulations, Bobby Roode. I know you're listening. Know you're listening, Bobby. So congratulations on being the wrestler of the year. The next category we're going to go into is pay per view of the year. The poll question was up on the KenReedyShow.com. Be sure to check that out, KenReedyShow.com. Every week we have a poll question uh, asking you something, your opinion about the world of professional wrestling, because we want to hear from you, the fans out there. So we're going to go right out to the poll question, and we asked what the pay-per-view of the year was. And I will go third place, second place, and then the winner. So in third place, with 5% of the vote, this year's Royal Rumble. In second place, with 37% of the vote, TNA's Slammiversary. And the number one spot, the best pay-per-view of the year, as voted by you fans, WrestleMania! There you have it. The results of the pay-per-view of the year. Dave, what is your pay-per-view of the year? WrestleMania. I mean, I was there. Duh. Winning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, top to bottom, like, the show, like, there was a, it was just awesome, you know? Um, the outdoor atmosphere, being outdoors for, you know, a big show like that. I mean, you open up the card with Sheamus beating Daniel Bryan in 18 seconds. It got everybody going, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen on the rest of this show? Of course, the end of an era, hell in a cell. You knew that was going to deliver. The CM Punk-Jericho match, which I, which we've talked about in the past, there was rumors that that was going to open the show. I was glad that the placement that they put that match on the card it delivered. And, of course, Rock and Cena. I mean, Big Show got his WrestleMania moment. The chicks got on, and about 74,000 people went to go take a piss at the same time. Um, <laughs> it, uh, Randy Orton came. They had a really good match. Nobody thought that was possible. Um, the, the the Team Johnny, Team Teddy match, it was what it was, but it didn't stink up the joint either. Um, and then, you know, of course, Rock and Cena, the, the, the big one, the, the, the main event. Um, so, I mean, on all, all across the board, deliver. I'm surprised that there wasn't – any write-in votes for extreme rules because I, you know, I would, I would, I would have put that pay-per-view in second place 
to be quite honest with you, because that was a good pay-per-view, too. And, of course, you know, we talked about Cena and Brock. So, but WrestleMania, for me, that's that's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's, it's so difficult to try and judge pay-per-views that you're at versus uh, what you're watching. Um, so, again, look at this. We're going to agree. Um, I would lean towards WrestleMania, but it's it's very difficult to, to compare the two. I probably I probably agree with the poll in second place with Slammiversary um, because I did think top to bottom that that was a kick-ass pay-per-view, uh, great matches top to bottom. Uh, you're right. I was kind of like wondering if we'd get Extreme Rules as a write-in. Uh, we did not, but another very very good pay-per-view with uh, Brock Cena, uh, the crown jewel of, of that uh, pay-per-view. Uh, but it's so difficult, you know, when you're you're there and. For people who, are, who have never been to WrestleMania, I mean, you're just on a high for most of the weekend as a wrestling fan. Uh, it's a great experience. And, uh, you know, last year's WrestleMania left me a little flat. It was the first one I went to live that left me a little flat. Uh, you know, last year's WrestleMania, you know, like you were saying, there wasn't a match that really stunk up the joint. You know, I think about last year and the uh, Jerry Lawler, Michael Cole debacle. Uh, that really brought the the card to a screeching halt. Uh, there was none of that, and uh, although it, it garnered criticism uh, at the time, that 18 second match, uh, Sheamus and Daniel Bryan was the best thing that ever happened in Daniel Bryan's career. So uh, you know, and and that got a huge pop. Uh, whether just a crowd reaction, whether it was like people just going, "Oh, I can't believe it happened," or "Yay, Sheamus won." Uh, there was a lot of noise as soon as the three count was was hit, and that's you know you're always looking to garner that reaction, and that is probably the biggest reaction you will ever see out of any crowd ever for an 18 second match. Period. I mean, <laughs> bottom line, that whole stadium jumped to their feet when that three count was hit. So you know it worked. Everything worked on some level. Some matches were better than others, but. The you worked top to bottom, and, and being there live just added something special to it. Um, so I would agree with you going with WrestleMania at the top, but I would go with Slammiversary as uh, the second-place uh, pay-per-view of the year. For everyone who answered the uh, poll, thank you so much. Continue to check in on the uh to answer the poll questions. And uh, we're going to get into the news in just a minute, but I'd like to, on a personal note, uh, Dave and I would actually like to thank everyone who has been listening to the show, uh, everyone who has been uh, going to the website, answering poll questions, all that good stuff, because we just ended June, uh, our most successful month so far as far as hits and listening to the radio uh, show. We absolutely destroyed our record for live listens uh, this past month. So the show is growing, and thank you all who are listening tuning in each and every week, calling in, um, you know, telling your friends about it, getting more and more people involved because uh, we love doing this and it's great that you're all listening out there. So after June being the most successful month uh, in our short career on this show, uh, we are hoping to move onward and upward, bigger and better things. So tell your friends, tell everyone you know who's a wrestling fan, this is the place to be on Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. for the premiere talk in pro wrestling. 
After the break, we have Dave LaGreca from Busted Open Series XM's premier wrestling show. He's going to be stepping into the studio, talking with us for a bit. But for now, we got Dave with the 5050 News Update. Thank you very much, Ken. The top story this week in the world of professional wrestling. Many news outlets have reported that police were called to the home of Rick Flair this week for a domestic dispute between himself and his wife. Reports out of the New York Daily News now say that Flair was the one who called police to protect himself from the physical assault of his wife. Jacqueline Bain Fiends has two prior arrests, having been arrested for domestic abuse in 2010 after punching Flair in the face. (laughs) And she was arrested back in March for a DWI and reckless driving. No one was arrested or hospitalized following the most recent altercation. Man. Tough break for the nature boy. WWE diva Maxine has quit the company this week. Maxine's reason for parting ways was due to her lack of a role in the company on television. Most casual WWE viewers might not know who she is, but regular viewers of NXT remember her as the diva involved in a love triangle storyline with Derek Bateman and Johnny Curtis. So to Maxine, whoever you are, the Ken Reedy Show would like to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Breaking news out of last night's Extreme Rising event. The upstart promotion run by Shane Douglas featuring former ECW talent and up-and-coming independent wrestlers had a show last evening where a backstage altercation took place between New Jack and Balls Mahoney. The incident stems from an apparent comment Mahoney made about New Jack in a shoot interview. When Jack arrived in the building, he confronted Balls about the comment, and when Balls answered, Jack punched Mahoney in the face. The altercation was then broken up by the locker room, and it seems that Mahoney and New Jack settled their differences and cooler heads prevailed. That's a pretty violent week here in the world of professional wrestling when it comes to news. Do you, Mr. Angle, take Giovanni to be your lawfully wedded wife? It's true. It's damn true. TNA wrestling star Kurt Angle is getting married. Angle revealed last night on his Twitter account that the couple got recently engaged. Both of them already have a child together, and it looks like now they're making it official as a family. Best of luck to the future Mr. and Mrs. Angle. Let's hope this marriage doesn't tap out like the first one for Kurt Angle. And our final story of the week, the Wrestling Observer reports that although WWE touted WrestleMania 28 as setting a record in terms of buy rate, the latest information suggests the numbers to be around 1,144,000 total buys, which is less than WrestleMania 23, the previous record setter. The number would break down as 670,000 domestic buys and 474,000 international buys. Initially, trends were showing that the number was on pace to break the previous record by 30,000 buys, which WrestleMania 23 came in at 1,250,000 buys. However, after all the data that has been collected, it appears WrestleMania 28 is the second most purchased WWE event of all time. There you have it for the Day 5 Report, the co-host of the most, bringing you all the latest up-to-date info in the world of professional wrestling. And now, let's bring it back to our man, Ken Reedy. And thank you, Dave, for uh, that great and informative update. And we are fortunate enough right now to have Mr. Dave LaGreca from Busted Open, Sirius XM, in here to share his knowledge on the world of professional wrestling. Dave, how are you doing today? What's up, Ken? Hey, Dave. How are you? Hey, buddy. How's it going? I'm good, man. Good to talk to you. So, you know, as you're going through your news break, and, and I'm thinking, and you know, we're doing the Havies, 
our, our half year award. And and I'm thinking, you know, the I, I would look at the, the news story of the year uh collectively as a whole, maybe not a, a single news story, uh would be Rick Flair and everything he's been involved in, uh between the TNA talk with getting him to the Hall of Fame for the WWE, getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, his now his stuff with his wife, getting beat up by his wife, uh, not paying his his bar tabs, trying to get TNA on the hook. Uh, a lot of newsworthy stuff. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm gonna have to call you guys by last name here because you I have two days. So we got Lagreca. Uh, look at what what are your thoughts on on what Flair has been through over the course of this year? Yeah, it's. It's been a it's been a tough year for uh, you know for Ric Flair because if you look at it as far as him what he did with ROH before he came to TNA he left ROH high and dry um, then he goes to TNA and listen I'll be the first one to say I don't think that TNA uh, used him the right way um, but that being said you have a contract you need to fulfill your contract and I think it was apparent to all of us once uh, the Hall of Fame happened at WrestleMania, that he wasn't going to go back to TNA. And he made the one appearance, and it was for Gutback, and it turns out that he made the wrong decision. And a lot of people said, you know, reports are saying that he did that on purpose to kind of screw TNA on his way out. Um, and then the altercation with his wife, the unpaid bar tabs, and he has a history of doing that. But if you look at what the WWE is right now, and we talk the PG product, and whether that's changing or not, I mean, I guess we'll see as it goes down the road. But I don't think if if I'm the WWE, do you even want to bring Ric Flair back? I think we're all assuming that Ric Flair is going to come back, and he, you know, we were all at the Hall of Fame, and everybody was chanting for him to come back, and he said, you know, I I want, to. and we knew it was over then, but. If you're Vince McMahon in the WWE, would you even bring Ric Flair back? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's you know, that's the big question. I mean, do, do you? Uh, he's not PG right now. Uh, a lot of bad press. Uh, you know, even though he wasn't the one hitting, he was getting hit by his wife. Still, someone involved in a domestic dispute. Uh, you know, and he's a loose cannon. And essentially, he, you know, it's funny in the world of of professional sports, and, and you look at someone like a. Like uh, Vince Carter, uh, back when he was with the Nets and didn't want to play with the Nets anymore and was lobbying for a trade. And, you know, a lot of people speculated that he wasn't playing as hard as he could because he was looking to just get out of there. Um, you know, essentially, and we're all fans here. We all, you know, we love the Nature Boy. But essentially, didn't Ric Flair kind of become a similar type guy? Didn't he become that guy that, you know what, I'm going to piss TNA off until they let me go. Yeah, and and you can see that in so many different sports. Like, you know, you mentioned Vince Carter, Randy Moss with the Raiders. Same thing. He just didn't want to play for the Raiders anymore. He kind of tanked it. But you knew he still had talent. You knew there was something more for him to give. You say the same thing about Ric Flair. I mean, look at look at Ric Flair now. And I love Ric Flair. I think he's the best of all time. I mean, the guy's seen better days. I mean, what, what role could he possibly have with the WWE? He definitely can't step in the ring anymore. Though the WWE would never let him. Um, would he be a manager? Would he be a, a GM? I don't know what Ric Flair could possibly give you at this point. And well, I mean, what are your thoughts on this, Rosenbluth? Um, Dave makes a good point um, about the role that he could play. Um, I think 
I think the guy is in financial apparel. He's 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 got some issues with money, obviously. Um, Dave brought up a point about Ring of Honor and uh, how he left them high and dry and uh, took money and uh, didn't make some appearances they were scheduled for. The uh, the the uh, famous uh, shoot interview he had with High Spots. He put the NWA Championship belt, the original title, the one that Harley Race headbutted, and there's a dent in the belt up for collateral. Um, for uh, with with high spots to do the interview as a form of a payment of some sorts, then there were some legal issues with that. He ended up getting the sounds like to me the belt came back in Flair's possession, but with help from the WWE at this year's Fan Access, they have like a little legends like tour area where you can view all kinds of memorabilia. That same championship belt was in the uh, memorabilia section um, of of Fan Access and. Uh, sounds like to me that Flair, um, he needs the money, and WWE is really the only place where he's going to make money to live the lifestyle that he wants to live. The role that he could play, I mean, obviously he can go out there and be a manager, or he can be a GM. I mean, they would never wrestle, they would never let him wrestle again, only because of the send-off that they gave him four years ago in Orlando at WrestleMania when he had that match with Shawn Michaels. That was, that wasn't WrestleMania 24, that was Ric Flair weekend. He went into the Hall of Fame. He had that great match. They did the, the farewell for him the next night on Raw. I mean, it was all about Ric Flair that weekend. So they wouldn't let him wrestle. I think, from what I've heard, they want to put him in a public relations um, – from a public relations standpoint, they want to have him represent the company and help launch the network, which coincidentally rumors this past week that the network is not going to launch in the fall, possibly. Um, but they want to – if they were to bring him in, they're going to have control over the role that he plays. So – if he wants to make the money that he's, that, that he, to, to suit his lifestyle, um, WWE is that place to go to, um, but he's going to have to suck it up and realize that he's not going to be able to be the center of attention anymore and the Ric Flair from 1989. Um, it's sad to see where he's at. It's sad to see the, the, the guy that you know I grew up watching turn into the person that he is. Um, and we don't uh, the three of us don't know you know, truly what's behind all these incidents that took place, whether it's alcohol, drugs, or just, you know, overall, you know, just bad luck. But Flair, to me, like you said, Dave, he's the greatest of all time, in my opinion. I I do agree with you there. And it's sad to see that the greatest of all time is not having the greatest of times right now. Um, Let's just hope that uh, he can get his act together and – not be another wrestling statistic like a lot of the names on uh, on that famous list that the uh, that you know the the outside media like to uh, exploit. I just think Flair kind of buys into the whole character role. Like he, I think he really believes into that. It's it's Ric Flair twenty four seven. You know the way he acts on television, the way he acts when he does a promo. I mean, I think that's the way he is in real life. That's why he's gotten so many wives, and that's why he's estranged from his children. It's that you can't play that role for that long. And even at the Hall of Fame, and we were all there, he told the stories about he's at the bar with John Cena at 2 o'clock in the morning, and, you know, he doesn't want to come home. Or the time where he had J.J. Dillon drive him home to try to get there before his wife did, and he fell asleep underneath his daughter's crib. I mean, that's not a good dad. That's not a good husband. I mean, I just think he believes in the whole character, and he plays it 24-7. That being said, I think Vince McMahon loves Ric Flair. If you look at all those wrestlers that were WCW or the NWA, 
that moved over to the WWF slash WWE. Vince McMahon knocked those guys down and had to have them build up their own careers again. Even things like Dusty Rhodes and Harley Race. I mean, their resume meant nothing once they went to the WWF. I mean, Dusty Rhodes was dressed in polka dots and even changed his name from the American Dream to the Common Man. And, you know, Harley Race, who was you know a six-time world champion, became the King Harley Race, and he was a mid-carder in a feud with the Junkyard Dog. I mean, but Ric Flair was the one guy that Vince McMahon still held on that high pedestal, and I still think he has you know a soft. Dave, you were just talking about WrestleMania 24. It wasn't WrestleMania 24. It was Flair weekend. It was, you know, it was the Hall of Fame. It was, you know, the match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. It was Raw the next night. And I, I think Vince McMahon will find a place for Ric Flair, but it's not going to be on SmackDown. And it's not going to be on Raw. It's going to be on this network in some kind of legends capacity where he's hosting some sort of show that's going to be held at, you know, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. It's not going to be Ric Flair in the spotlight. That being said, can Ric Flair do a job when he's not in the spotlight? I mean, he did have a role with the WWE. They had him as a quote-unquote ambassador, and that wasn't good enough for Ric Flair. That's why he went to TNA. Um, it's going to be it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Ric Flair, and if you know, if Vince McMahon wants to take that chance, you know, we talk about, you know, Linda McMahon in that Senate race. We talk about the PG product. You know, we talk about Jericho and Randy Orton get, getting suspended. Do you want to have a guy like Ric Flair in your company knowing the bad deeds that he's capable of doing? I agree. And and the one thing, I, you know, and I, I'd like to ask you, LaGreca, um, you know, because you're, you're a Flair guy, and, you know, we, we've talked. I mean, I, I put Flair in number two because I'm a Hogan guy. Uh, but, you know, at what point in time does Flair – I mean, you're saying he, he buys into his character. And, you know, when does he go from being a wheeling, dealing, stealing, limousine riding son of a gun to being just kind of a – sad, pathetic old man. I mean, he's kind of become this poster child for a guy who, you know, still thinks he's a fractal. And, and you know what? I, I think you can say that about any sport. Listen, Joe Montana was one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But yet, when you see Joe Montana now, he's not wearing shoulder pads and a jersey. You know, he's not wearing a 49er helmet. LT... As crazy as he is, you don't see him with a New York Giants helmet when he's on TV. There comes a time when you have to move on. So, Ken, you and I had a discussion today about some of the negative WWE looks at the future. They give a nod to the past in the way that you should give a nod to the past, in nostalgia, in old shows on WWE Classic. You know, and, and once in a while, a little bit of a tribute like we saw with Vader and, and Sid Vicious as we're leading up to the to the big Raw at the end of the month. But comes a time when you need to cut ties and you have to move on. I think that has to happen with Ric Flair. Now, he's not capable of doing it himself. He's just not going to do it. He believes in that character too much. I think the WWE needs to put an end to it by you know saying, hey, this is your role, and this is all you're going to do. And if you embarrass the company, you're gone. 
I think that's the only way that he's able to move on. And then it's, it would be smart, like you're bringing up the, the network, uh, putting him in a role where you're, you're taping him. Yeah. Where he's not on uh, TV live and they're not taking the chance. Um, Roosevelt, you know, chime in here, uh, but, you know, LaGreca brought up the, the senatorial race, Linda McMahon. Um, I mean, if you're if you're a company owner, if you're, you're the McMahons, is, is it sound business to, to bring a guy like Flair in? Um, I mean that's tough. I mean, I, most people would say you know it's 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 bad business to bring a guy like him in at this time. Um, you know they're also going through a lawsuit with TNA. Um, they you know TNA is accusing the WWE of hiring a guy that used to work for TNA and taking all the contractual information of all the talent and the office workers to WWE, and it's you know they they. They kind of put two and two together. They they induct Flair into the Hall of Fame. They had this guy on their payroll, and they got all the contract information. Now they want Flair. I mean, it's right now. You're, I don't think for a long, long time. I would until this lawsuit is over that you're going to see Rick Flair appear live on their television show, um, regardless of the whole Senate issue with Linda McMahon. Um, and, and as much as they want to say that they have no involvement in it whatsoever, you know, she may be gone from the company from a, a professional standpoint, but she's married to the guy who owns the goddamn company. And so there always is going to be an affiliation with her and the wrestling and the WWE if she decides, you know, to, to run for the president someday. You know what I mean? So regardless from that point of view with the, with the, 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 the politics, I don't think they're going to hire Flair for quite a while um, until that TNA lawsuit is over and done with. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's that, or there's always the never say never in the world of professional wrestling. And, uh, I mean, you know, Vince has always hired people back that have burned him due to, you know, it being good for business. That's always been the, the phrase. It's good for business. I mean, Hulk Is Rick Flair good for business, Dave? I mean, what positives will come out of, you know, Rick Flair being a part company? Helping, helping launch the network, yeah. He would be good for business in that sense because he's the, there's the historical name value with Rick Flair. There is, there is, you know, a little bit of a crossover appeal with Rick Flair. Um, and Vince owns the majority of his career on videotape. So in that sense, yeah, it would be good for business for people, old-time wrestling fans who don't watch today's current product, that see there's a wrestling channel that were Ric Flair fans in 1985 and 86 and watching him and Jim Crockett promotions. It would be good for business in that sense. But from a personal standpoint, no, absolutely not. So it, it, The interesting it, thing, I think the question that I, I would be curious about is, is I, I hear what you're saying, Dave, but uh, – I'm kind of curious in, in in dollars and cents, in realistically breaking it down, um, and, and I'll, I'll get both your takes on it. But um, how much more money? How many more subscriptions will be ordered based on the fact that Ric Flair is a part of the network? That's I think the question that you got to ask. And it, as just yeah, I would love to see as a fan. Ric Flair, yes, they have his catalog. Yeah, I'd like to see him be part of the network. However, the current state of wrestling, the fact that Ric Flair is hosting a legend show, hosting a 
best of the NWA show or whatever you want to throw at them. I don't know how many more subscriptions that's really going to bring in. And I think when, when you're a business owner, and I know, like, Vince has brought in guys as, as reclamation projects. He's like, he's like Steinbrenner, you know, bring in these guys who've had problems and we'll fix them. However, from a business owner and, and a monetary standpoint, it, it starts to boil down with what this guy continues to do, risk-reward. The risk of bringing a guy in like this that continues to have problems with booze, domestic issues, um, is, is what he's going to bring potentially to the network worth the risk of what he can do to damage the name of your company? Now, first I'll, I'll address that to Greg. Well, I think you're right in the fact that you could have Ricky Steamboat or Arn Anderson host those shows that you could possibly have Ric Flair. They're already part of the company. They're already on the payroll. So you're not paying any extra money for Arn Anderson or for Ricky Steamboat you know, to host those types of shows. Plus, you know they're going to conduct themselves in a manner that's not going to embarrass you. And listen... You talk about that send-off at WrestleMania 24. I'm sure there's a lot of people in that company, including a Shawn Michaels, that's probably pissed off at the fact that they put all that time and effort in to have that kind of a send-off, and then a guy goes to another company and wrestles and gets in the ring. I think that tarnishes his image a little bit. And as much oh, as I love Ric Flair, and I did like a couple of the things that he did there. I like the back and forth that he had with Jay Lethal. I thought that was great. But for the most part, and I'm talking about 85 to 90% of the work that he did with TNA, is not going to be something that you look back fondly on. Other than that Jay Lethal and maybe the match with Mick Foley, there's really nothing more that he did with TNA that you can go back and look at and with any kind of respectability. So the guy hasn't really done much since WrestleMania 24, but he caused a lot of headaches. He caused a lot of you know burning bridges with a lot of people that may not be with the WWE, but are a part of pro wrestling, and that gives you a bad name. And I just think that they got to look beyond that. And at some point, even for his benefit, for Ric Flair's benefit as a person, they need to get him separated from wrestling for a while. Now, there's people that said that would kill him, but he's killing himself now. I mean, you, you look at the, the police blotters. You, you look at the embarrassing issues. The WWE would probably be in their best interest if they just keep a distance from them, give them a nod, they give them a thank you, like they at the Hall of Fame, and they move on. I want to finish this flair conversation with us, and I'm going to ask you again, LaGreca. Um, as a fan, as a flair guy, your your view on him, your opinion, has it, it changed? Are, are you, do you think a little less of him uh, over his, his, between his TNA run and his, his Run over the past six months. Um, feel the same about him. Where are your thoughts as a fan, as a Ric Flair fan? Uh, what are your feelings on him? Well, see, this is where you know the word hypocrite comes in, this is, <laughs> and this is I'm a hypocrite because I still love Ric Flair, and like Dave said, I would be the the person that would love it if he was working with the WWE. I would pop more than anybody if I saw him coming down. I would, you know. Watch it while it was happening and DVR it if he had a show that was on the new network for the WWE. I would buy whatever shirt that put out. You know, I would go to the first appearance that he had. I would wait online for an autograph. And, and I'm the first person to say that it wasn't Ric Flair's fault that happened with TNA. It was TNA's fault. You know, creatively, they could have done so much more with him. 
than they did. And they, you know, and I think they put Hulk Hogan on that pedestal instead of putting Ric Flair on that pedestal. And I, I have a problem with that, though. I know. You do. <laughs> um, but and, and it's also good to have a Ric Flair out there because that means there's somebody out there that's doing worse things than I'm doing. And there's somebody out there that screws up more than I do. And it's always good to have. Um, but I think it would be in the best. If I was uh, Vince McMahon, I wouldn't find him. If I was Vince McMahon, I wouldn't put him on Raw. If I was Vince McMahon, I wouldn't put him on the show on the network. Just because I know that at any moment, maybe he would be good for a while, maybe he would be good for three to six months. But at some point, because the track record shows, at some point, the bottom would fall out. And it has with every company that he's been a part of. You know, you talk about that. NWA championship belt. It was Ric Flair who left the NWA and Crockett Promotions and went over to the WWF, you know, when he was managed by Bobby Heenan with the championship belt. I mean, there has been countless times that he has screwed over people. So I just think it's something where he's great, he's a legend, uh, he's the best of all time, but I think anything he does uh, now and moving forward is only going to tarnish his legacy. Would you like to add to that, Rosalind? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, if I were Vince McMahon, I'd say, you know what, let's let the guy get his life in order. I mean, it's not like Flair doesn't have any kind of income. He's got promo, you know, he's got endorsement deals and stuff, you know. He's just got to learn how to, you know, budget better instead of, you know, leaving out on, leave, leaving uh, bartenders with, uh, you know, unpaid tabs. But, um, but Dave, not to get you off, but th- that's never going to happen. The guy's, <laughs> yeah, the guy's I know, I understand sick. that, but I'm just saying, if I were Vince, like, just give him some time to, you know, to, to, to whatever he's got to do to, you know, give him a break, no association with the company. And then, because that, you know, the network's not going to go anywhere once it launches, you know, and there will always be a place for him at some point. You know, don't be, if I were Vince, I wouldn't be so quick to hire him. You know, a point that you made about, um, you know, having Arn and, and uh, Steamboat host some of those shows, I mean, that's great. They could do that. But I don't, and Ken's question, I don't think there's any one person. I don't, I mean, this this may cause, a, uh, you know, some heat, but I don't think Hulk Hogan, I don't think Stone Cold Steve Austin, I don't think The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, The Rock, whoever, any big name could ever get more subscribers to that network. And that includes Ric Flair, too. I think the overall name and the, the, uh, and the, and the, the idea behind the network will get you the subscribers, not oh, we just hired Hulk Hogan, he's going to host a show on the greatest Hulk Hogan matches of all time or, you know, the best of WWE at Madison Square Garden. I don't think one person is bigger than that entire company that's going to get more subscribers to that to that, to that that channel. Yeah, and I agree with you. All you have to do is look at TNA. I mean, a TNA at one point had who I think is the best wrestler right now in Kurt Angle, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair who are arguably the two biggest names in the history of the sport. So at some point, you had all three of those guys with one company on a major cable network raiding her in the tank. So I agree with you. The, dub, the, the name WWE is bigger than anything in pro wrestling. And that's most important. It's like NFL Shield. It's just that name. Although I do think that, um, you know, if they had kind of a Ken Reedy show busted open kind of thing going on the network, that would definitely be in more subscribers. I think that, that goes without saying that that would, that would bring in more. Ken Reedy making the funny on a, on a Sunday night. <laughs> well, there you have it. Ric Flair is the news story of the year. He gets the Habsy, uh for the Ken Reedy show. Uh, 
Um, and that's it. That's that's uh, Ric Flair. Right. You know what time it is? Rosenblum. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's that time. The Ken Reedy Show, not over approval. And there it is, the nod of approval time on the Ken Reedy Show. First off, I'd like to thank Dave LaGreca for sitting in for a little bit, uh, giving us his take on Ric Flair and, and the news, the halfsy of the year for news story. Um, but it's come time for the nod of approval. The nod of approval is that moment in the show where we talk about something in the world of professional wrestling that made you sit back and say, yeah, that worked. You just kind of nod to yourself and you like it, and you just think it's good. It can be a performer, a TV show, a moment, a move, a match. Whatever you think gets your nod of approval to speak in professional wrestling. If you'd like to go to our Facebook page right now, uh, we're going to read off some of the nods of approvals on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Candy Show. Dave, who gets your nod of approval this week? This week, my nod of approval goes to Rashad Cameron. I know, there's a lot of crickets in the studio. Nobody knows who this guy is. Well, if you're watching Impact this past Thursday, he competed in that X Division tournament um, to determine a, uh, you know, a, 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 to get to the Ultimate X match, a Destination X, to determine a new champion now that Austin Aries has forfeited the championship for his uh, world title shot. But I'm not, I'm not giving him a nod of approval because he did anything spectacular in the ring or on the microphone. I'm giving him a nod of approval because the guy gets around. He was also one of the Ryback jobbers a few weeks ago on SmackDown, or the previous week. Um, you know, short black guy. He's, uh, he's got like a, you know, he's got the face of a 40-year-old, but the body of a 20-year-old. He's, he's Ken, you said to me, you know, recently, he's, uh, you know, the world's tallest midget. Uh, good for him. Get his face out there in both companies on a main stage, whether it's, you know, him getting his brains beat out by, you know, Ryback or if it's him performing, you know, uh, high-flying moves in the X Division. I, you know, I was like, I, I noticed that face. I was like, that guy was the guy that Ryback, Ryback destroyed, like, last week. I was watching. I was like, this is unbelievable. I was like, good for him. You know, so, you know what, Rashad Cameron gets my nod of approval this week for uh, – putting his name out there, his face out there, and being seen on a national level in two separate companies. And let's just hope that uh, bigger and brighter things happen for uh, this uh, young and up-and-coming wrestler. Wow, that, that uh, you know, that guy, he should be honored because that might be his biggest honor so far uh, in his pro wrestling career. So uh, congrats to, uh, um, you know, what was his name again? <laughs> Rashad Cameron. And he Rashad Cameron. No relation to Kurt Cameron. No, no, no. He doesn't do any of those uh those uh three o'clock in the morning infomercials <laughs> about the uh the, the Bible with pictures. Um my nod of approval this week. Um I'm actually I am going with uh Joey Ryan on TNA. I am kinda digging what they're doing with him right now. Uh, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I'm 99% sure this is a complete work, uh, but they're blurring the lines a little bit. And like I said before, I like it. I like when they blur the lines and 
Uh, they're giving the the gut check segment a, a, a little a little chutzpah, if you will. Uh, they're giving it a little juice. Uh, I like what he's doing. I think he's an interesting character. He's an intriguing character. Uh, he brings a lot to the table. Uh, I like the arrogance. Um, I just like everything he's doing. I like how he's calling Taz out. Uh, it gives some depth to Taz. I, I kind of like seeing Taz kind of lose a little bit. Um, so I guess I like everything I'm seeing out of Joey Ryan right now and the storyline they're running uh, through the gut check segment. So my not approval will go to Joey Ryan. On the Facebook page, uh, Michelle DG. Tyson Kidd for winning his chance to be uh, in Money in the Bank. Uh, I got to hand it Tyson Kidd going to Money in the Bank. Um, and on the flip side, we're probably going to be looking at Jack Swagger, Swagger. Good luck in your future endeavors. Uh, not too shortly. I was shocked that he lost that match. Tyson Kidd. Tyson Kidd going to Money in the Bank. Michael Lancaster also saying Joey Ryan gets the nod of approval. So there you have it. Uh, Joey Ryan and Kirk Cameron, or uh, wait, no, who is it again? <laughs> oh my God, this is funny. <laughs> I, I gotta say this again. I might be related to this guy. I know his name, Rashad Cameron. Rashad Cameron, so Joey Ryan and Rashad Cameron. This week, not of a proof. The Ken Reedy Show, not of a proof. All righty then, Dave. All right, let's all take a deep breath, get our stuff together, get ready. Let's let's put on the journalistic hat because because the champ is calling in. I uh, got I got him in the queue right now, so um, I'm gonna pull him up. I'm gonna let you take the lead in this interview. Let's let it go smooth, professional. Let's let's get the questions answered in a respectful, meaningful. Ken Reedy Show fashion. Are you are you ready? Yes, Master. I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Let's bring him on to the show. Tristan Law, champ, are you there? Ken Reedy, the host with the most. And Dave, the co-host that smells like roast beef. How's it going? We're, we're doing all right. Thanks. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to get right into it with the interview. So, uh, uh, Dave, why don't you take it away? How are you doing there, Tristan? I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First and foremost, uh, the uh, number one contender in your eyes. Who is the number one contender, in your opinion, that deserves a shot at your championship, and how are you going to prepare for this individual? Hello? Um, Hello. Uh, we, may, we may have lost uh, uh, we, uh, their technical. Damn it. Um, check Champ, Champ, are you there? I'm here, Dick. I'm here, Ken. Oh, all right. Yeah, so the champ is still here. Um, so, Dave, why don't, why don't you take it away again? Give, give, him, give him that question again. Number one contender in your eyes currently. Who do you think deserves a shot at your championship, and how are you going to prepare for this individual? Again? Uh, so, uh, we're still, champ, champ, are you, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, you're here. Okay. Um, why don't we... Why don't we uh, Switch gears a, a little bit, and uh, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, uh, in your eyes, who do you think is the number one contender uh, for your title? For my title? Nobody's the number one contender, because like I said before, Ken, 
last week is that nobody will ever get my title because I'm going to be champion forever. The only way somebody's going to be champion is when I retire and I give my brother the title. So right now, nobody's the number one contender. Well, there you go. All right. Well, uh, who is, uh, you know, who's up, uh, who at least, the? I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's nobody that really can uh, contend with you, but obviously the Body Slam Wrestling Organization is going to want to put somebody in the ring with you. So uh, who's who's next on uh, your hit list? Right now is uh, QT Marshall from Ring of Honor. Him and I got a little bit of story, got a little bit of history. Him and I trained together with the Dudley Boys in Florida. And uh, he decided to move up to the Northeast to uh, work for Ring of Honor. Good, good, good luck for him with that. But you know, bad luck for him when it comes to trying to get my belt. It's not happening. Not, not ever. Can I, can I ask another question? Sure, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. All right, Tristan. Last week you had mentioned that you have a steel cage match coming up, and uh, for the ECPW, and you had mentioned that that you have never been inside of a steel cage, being a Historian of the wrestling business, what cage matches of past in wrestling history are you going to watch to prepare yourself for a match as dangerous as this, considering you have no experience in this match? All right, let, let, me, let me step in here. Uh, let, me, let me try something different. Uh, so, Champ, um, going forward, you, uh, you had mentioned that um, you were going to be having your first cage match for ECPW. Uh, coming up, and I was just curious, uh, are there any cage matches that you would watch, uh, historically speaking, that you'd uh, take some uh, lessons from, take some education from on how you want to conduct yourself, uh, uh, the ins and outs of strategy as far as working in the steel cage? Well, you know, in order order to be the best, I have to watch the best. So what I've done was I went out and I bought the uh, WWE Best Steel Cage Match DVD, and I'm watching that seen some great strategies, had some great guys, you know, like Ricky Steamboat, you know, Ric Flair, woo, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, Bret Hart, seeing different different things that they've done to prosper in the steel cage. So, uh, you know, that's what I've been doing to prepare for my steel cage match because it's the first match of the type that I'm ever going to have. So, you know, I, I got to be I got to be the best at it. Are, are we sure we have technical difficulties here? Because I've asked two questions already, and I haven't gotten an answer from the champ. But when you speak, all of a sudden we have we, we he answers your question. This is ridiculous. You know what? If you, if you want to go this route, that's fine. You want to play games, that's fine with me. All right? I got nothing to do with this. I'm taking off. <laughs> Beat it, hey. loser. I, I think we. Um, all right, maybe, maybe a little little uh, little temper tantrum going forward. Uh, but you know we can do this, champ. I've done interviews before, one-on-one. Uh, let's go with this. So you uh, you said you're going to be looking at the best. Um, is there any one performer or a couple performers that uh, you really want to center in on as far as your style and your, your size and your strengths and any uh, historical figure you really want to study going into your cage match? Well, I, well like I said, you know, in order to – you know, in order to do good in that match, I gotta watch the best. So, you know, if they ended up on the DVD, you know, they obviously should be somebody that I should be watching. But you know, I just want to say this. You know, Dave was pretty reckless last week when he was uh, on the radio show. You know, he has he has no respect. He has straight he, he he has blatant disrespect for the law. You know, you know that guy's gonna have me slap the taste out of his mouth when I see him. 
Yeah, I, I can't. I can't say that I disagree. I mean, there there comes a point where you got to show the the champ a little bit of respect, and you know, I mean, I I'm honored that you come on the show, and and a privileged really that the Tristan Law, the Law, the the Body Slam Wrestling Organization Heavyweight Champ, the Crown Jewel, uh, and the DOD uh, comes on the show, and yeah, I mean, when it comes to to wrestling, if you got the gold, you get the respect, and. I apologize for, for my co-host because he does uh, kind of fly off the handle at times. Maybe he gets a little bit uh, reckless uh, with his opinions uh, as far as, uh, you know, what his thoughts are of you. I am trying to conduct this show in a professional fashion. So, again, apologies, and I thank you for coming on the show. Um, and, and that being said, um, we've been doing our halvesies, our uh, awards, uh, for the year so far, 2012, and uh, I am greatly honored to have the camp here on the show. And you know, we we we've interacted a bunch. We we've met. Uh, you came on the show down at the Pepper Mill where we had a really nice night and dollar tacos. And love the dollar tacos. Dollar tacos were good. So the last award, the most important award, I think. Um, is actually I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know that we're gonna go with the faction of the year, the faction of the year thus far in professional wrestling. And when you think of factions, you go back in history and think of factions like the Four Horsemen, the NWO, Degeneration X, Evolution, and for 2012, the year so far. Action of the year so far goes to the DOD. Congratulations, Tristan. Well, well, thank you very much. You know, all the people that we had to step on in order to get excuse where we Excuse me for a minute. Just excuse me for a minute. That right there was the sound of the toilet flushing because of human excrement that comes out of your mouth. And you too, Ken. Guess what? I'm sick of this bullshit. I tried to be... You know what? I'm doing some bullshit, Dave. You know what? You're gonna to have to watch. You're gonna to have to watch your back. You understand me? Because people like you, you need to learn some respect. You know what? I got nothing more to say to you. You got anything else to say to me? You know, you know exactly where to find me. I'd be at BWO. You know, I'd be at EWS. Click my website, TristanLaw.com, if you want to if you want to find me, okay? Because I'm not gonna take you talking to me the way you want to talk to me. All right, punk? I got nothing more to say. Can I, you'll probably hear me next week. Goodbye. Uh, gee, Dave. I mean, really? The, the toilet, seriously, a, a little respect, a little. I, I thought well, we talked respect. before. We we're going to have a little, uh, a little professionalism. Towards me when I tried to ask him those questions, that was total bullshit on your part, telling me and telling the whole audience, trying to snowball all of them that we have technical difficulties. Let me change gears. Let me see if we can go with this route or that route. Please give me a goddamn break. Let me tell you something. You got no respect. You got no respect for your co-host, and you got no respect for these people kissing this guy's ass. Give me a break. Are you kidding me? This is bullshit to the highest power. This guy's an asshole, and he's got no respect for people in this business and people like us. And walked all over you and you let him do it. The difference between you and me is that I would never let him walk all over me. But I'll tell you something right now. The guy wants to threaten me. The guy wants to personally threaten me now, tell me to watch my back. You know, it's one thing if it's coming from him, but now he's insinuating that the rest of the dynasty of destruction is going to come after me. You know what? I'm telling you something right now. If you were my friend, you'd make sure that this doesn't happen. 
When it comes to him, I got no problem getting my ass kicked when it comes to one person. But I'm certainly not going to take a beating from three or four other people and let you stand there watching the whole thing happen. So as well, far you, as you I'm poked concerned, the bear. You, you poked the bear. I mean, you put oh, yourself man. out there. You knew he was part of the, the greatest faction in wrestling. You told, to, you told me to be professional, and I asked him questions, and he didn't answer them blatantly, and you put on this whole charade for everybody else. And now you're going to sit there and let him threaten me like that? You're going to sit here and let, let him threaten me? As far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm done with today's man. show. And, you know, I'm done with today's show, and guess what? I might not be around for next week, so maybe you should go look for a new co-host, in my opinion. That's the professional courtesy I have for you. Uh, are you there? Wow. So then, okay, so that's what happens. That's a little, little heat. A little heat in the room. Something happens here, and you know what? My co-host turns tail and runs off. Runs off. You know, he poked bear. He pissed off uh, the, the champ, who, by the way, you know, again, the greatest faction in wrestling today, right now. The dynasty of destruction taking over. Uh, they're taking over the airwaves. They're taking over professional wrestling. And you know what? We just we, we get a guest. We get a guest here, and that's what I do here. I try and get guests. I try and put together an entertaining show for you all out there to listen to. And, you know, I want to get a little perspective on the world of professional wrestling. And, and you know, now Dave just storms off. Well, you know something? Let me tell you something, Dave. I have put the work in for years. I've been doing this, and I've been plugging away day in and day out, trying to make something happen. I've kissed the asses. I've interned. I've grabbed the coffee. I've run the errands. I've sprinted up and down the streets of Manhattan, running tape for people, and where has it gotten me? I've done things the right way. I've worked hard. I've worked my ass off for management that proves time and time again that they're just in competent, and I'm just better than they are, but do I, do I get recognized for it? Absolutely not. I keep getting pushed down, pushed down. Well, you know what? The buck stops here. You hear me? The buck stops here. Finally, there was one night, one glorious night for this show, where I was in the Peppermill South, in Congress, New York, and the DOD decided that they grace this show with their presence. And granted, I was a bit put off when they first came in. I was a bit flabbergasted when they walked in. They came in and they took over. But you know what? As I started to listen to their wisdom, as I started to listen to all they had to say, as I listened to the pearls of wisdom, the genius coming from Tristan Law, the Body Slam Wrestling Organization's heavyweight champion, what I heard was what I should be doing. What I heard was it was time for the Ken Reedy Show to obey the law. So I took into account what the DOD was doing. Yes, they took over the Body Slam Wrestling Organization, and not only did they take over the Ken Reedy Show, but they're taking over the media as well, and proud to be the media liaison for the DOD. I am proud to be part of this movement 
that will be taking the world of professional wrestling by storm. Because the DOD has taught me what happens in this world. The DOD has taught me how to make things happen. How to not sit back and wait for things to come to you. It's time for me to stop kissing asses and working hard and doing what I'm supposed to do. It's time for me to just take. I will take what's mine. I will take it. And I don't care who I have to step on to do it. So right now, if I need to be part of the DOD, if I'm going to bring the Dynasty of Destruction on board this show, well, damn well, you all better fall in line because they're going to be part of this show for a long time to come. I am the host of the show. I will be their media branch as long as they have me. It is time for this show to go to another level, and they are going to help take me to that other level. We are going to take what is ours in this business of professional wrestling. And if you're not with us, you're against us. And it's time for you to just get in line and get ready because we're coming for you. You got me. You know what I'm saying. You hear what I'm saying. I hope you know what I'm saying because I am the Ken Reedy of the Ken Reedy Show. This is my show, and we're going forward. We're taking over the whole world of professional wrestling. For those of you who are falling in line, thank you for tuning in tonight. Thank you all to the callers who called in this fine evening of the Havsies Awards. We have given out a few awards, and you know what? We have an entire 2012, half of the year left. We got six months left of professional wrestling. Six months left of the greatest pro wrestling talk around. Six months left of myself and the DOD taking over the world. It's just getting started. So you best get on the bus because this is the place to be each and every Sunday night, 6 to 8 p.m. every Sunday. Thank you so much to Dave LaGreca who called in, who actually called in. He came in the studio, gave us some perspective on the Ric Flair debacle going on uh, in his life. We wish Ric Flair the best uh, in, in whatever he winds up doing. Dave LaGreca, thank you so much. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough. As I said before, June has been the Ken Reedy Show's biggest month so far. And as we go through these happy awards, and we go them out, uh, there, there's just so much more that's going to be coming from this show so much more that's going to just shock you and, and surprise you. We are pulling out all the stops on this show. This is the place to be. We're going to be doing some new and interesting stuff. We're going to be changing the world of professional wrestling. And like I said before, if you ain't with us, you're against us. And if you're against us, well, you're in trouble. So it is time for you guys to get on the bus, fall in line, and get ready because this show is going to be going off the hook the next couple of months. I'll say it anyway uh, for my co-host, Dave Rosenbluth. Um, Again, I don't know if he's going to be back uh, next week. I hope he is. But you know what? If if he's not, we'll we'll make do. We'll get through the show uh, without him if we have to. And uh, Tristan, you know, again, I sincerely apologize for... uh, uh, the, the conduct of my co-host, I, I'm going to attempt to get him uh, in line uh, going forward because this is just, it, it, can't, it can't continue. This can't continue. And I'm sorry, Dave, but, you know, you, you, you made your bed. You, you made your bed, 
Okay, I told you. Respect the champ. There comes a time in this business, man, in this industry, you respect the goal. You respect what the business has honored. Where the business has said the best of the best is, and right now the best of the best is the dynasty of destruction, and I'm allying myself with them. I'm taking the ride with them. They're taking the ride with me. This is a whole new world, brother. This is a whole new movement going on right now. So, Mr. Rosaluth, I know you hung up, but if you're out there, if you're still listening, if you're still wondering if the Dynasty of Destruction and Tristan Law are not going to be part of the show, well, wonder no more. They're on board. They're part of the movement. So you best get on board at this time. For Dave Rosenbluth, for Dave McGregor, bust it open. Thank you all for tuning in. Tune in next week, 6 to 8. This is the Ken Reedy Show. Good night.